You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I, I knew a lot of the challenges coming in here. I've been watching Nebraska for a long time. Uh, it was a long way away from where it, it needed to be and where it should have been. Those, those changes can't happen overnight. You know, there's a lot of ways to look at things. Going into that game, we'd won seven of our last 10 games, I think, and two of those losses after last night's 7-11 hour to Ohio State. That's a really good team we played. Things are coming. You're never satisfied with where they are. You always want it to go faster, but I don't think anybody in our building doubts that things are coming. It's going to make it even sweeter when you get there, uh, when you go through these things. I wouldn't say it's harder than I thought. It, we knew it was going to be a big challenge, and it has been, but I, I'm pleased with the progress we made and excited to make more. Like I said after that game, and, and like I'll say right now, you know that, that won't define this team. What will define us is how we finish, how we can react, how we can uh, bounce back this upcoming week. And we have another opportunity. You know, it's, it's football. You know, we have another opportunity this Saturday, and, and um, it started with us coming to work this Monday, and I think we did that today. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we're going to talk Nebraska-Northwestern 3 o'clock game here Saturday uh, can be seen nationally on Fox. But uh, before we kind of get into what happened, um, some breaking news here later in the week that is definitely going to affect this game. And I think it was kind of a surprise, Nate. Uh, on Wednesday, as practice got out here in Lincoln, uh, the Big Ten issued a statement and an email that Khalil Davis has been suspended for a malicious hit that he made and publicly re- reprimanded for a play in the first quarter. Um, from what we can tell, it was maybe a punt play, Nate. Am I right on that? Yeah, it was definitely whatever happened happened on a punt play. Um, and, and Nebraska actually had really good coverage on it. So, you know, I'm not sure. From the TV view, you know, if you go back and try to find it on YouTube or whatever, you can't see anything. Khalil Davis is never in the screen. Uh, you don't see him, you know, cheap shot anybody or whatever. So whatever occurred happened out of the out of the camera angle of ABC and the on that telecast but obviously Ohio State saw something and they turned it into the Big 10 and the Big 10 uh, in return you know suspended him for from the Northwestern game and i'm going to play the Nebraska guy na- narrative here but isn't it just interesting that if an Ohio State i mean the league <laughs> wants to protect Ohio State i mean this is their college football playoff team this is their their bell cow team but you go back to a year ago, Adrian Martinez clearly had his leg twisted by a Colorado linebacker. Yeah, a malicious play. And the Pac-12 just laughed and did nothing about the play itself. So it is interesting just to see how they reacted on this because there was no flag thrown. Um, it wasn't highlighted by ESPN. It wasn't a deal. Remember, remember Eric Martin on the Oklahoma State game? I mean, he just headhunted that guy on kickoff coverage. And um, Ed Cunningham, who oh, yeah, he made a huge deal. I mean, out of who, that. Be- who basically became the concussion martyr. You know, he was <laughs> he was the guy that you know went up there, and that was the hill he was going to die on. He talked about concussions, and to the point where he's out. Of, I think he's out of broadcasting. Yeah, he quit. He said he couldn't watch football. He couldn't call football games anymore because but, of it. But he just went after Eric Martin, and then it led to Dan Beebe in the Big Twelve suspending him in that controversial 2010 season when Nebraska was in their final year of the conference where Dan Beebe didn't care. Um, But this is a blow for Nebraska. There's no doubt as you get ready for this game against Ohio State, Khalil Davis and Darian Daniels have been your two most consistent players on the defense. Khalil Davis, for two years in a row, has been Nebraska's best defensive lineman. He was their best defensive lineman a year ago, voted by the coaches and the team. Um, So not having him Saturday will be um, a bigger storyline than maybe we thought. I think it opens up the door, obviously, for Ben Stilley. 
um, maybe DeAndre Thomas. But I think Keem Green, Nate, that's a guy now uh, that elevates into a bigger role potentially on this defense. He played his first action 10 to 15 snaps a week ago. They want to play him in a maximum of four games. I think you've got a perfect opportunity now this week to maybe up his snap count. Yeah, absolutely. I think that does open a, a huge opportunity for Keem Green to come in and and see what you know, see what he can do. And uh, you know, obviously, it's going to be more than just one person that fills the shoes of Khalil Davis because of what he's brought to the table for this defensive line, and not just this season. You mentioned, you know, for the past two years, he's been arguably the best defensive lineman that Nebraska has had. So. Uh, this is a tough blow, and and uh, you know you, you you if you're Nebraska, you you really do hope that Keem Green is ready to go. You know you mentioned he got his feet wet a little bit against Ohio State, uh, but this is a close game. I mean, you when when you're looking at the Nebraska Northwestern matchup for for years and years, that really ever since Nebraska joined the conference, for, for whatever reason, these two teams play each other extremely close, and so. When you take a guy like Khalil Davis out of you know out of um, you know the the game, that could be you know enough to, to sway the pendulum one way or the other. And so um, you know it'll be interesting to see who steps up and kind of fills that hole now. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we now move on to this game with Northwestern and this series has been back and forth. I mean, you look at the history; it's four to four. I, I you know as far as the teams and series I've covered this has by far been the most entertaining in my 20 plus years around Nebraska football um, as these two teams are three and one on the road in the series Uh, the only home wins for Nebraska and Northwestern were kind of improbable the Northwestern game last year was how they won their home game to come from behind game in the fourth quarter and then in 2013 the Jordan Westerkamp Hail Mary is the how Nebraska won their lone home game so history tells you the road team's gonna win um, but this is a Northwestern team that is one and three, but that's kind of how they've been almost every year. Uh, Northwestern's four and eight and eight between 16 and 18 over the months of August and September. They were 21 and six over the final two months of the season, those same three years. So they have traditionally been a slow starting team. They held Wisconsin to under 300 yards of offense a week ago. And you just kind of have to throw out some of that stuff and know that they're always going to play Nebraska tough. Yeah, they're always going to come prepared, and um, and and like you said, they they had a terrible out of conference, you know, start this season last year, and then they go ahead and run to the table, run the table to, to Indianapolis uh, a year ago, and I mean, you look at the the games that these two teams traditionally play. Um, you mentioned they're four and four. Uh, the score differential, the average score differential, has been six point four points uh, over those eight games, and. Uh, but the, here's the the key stat I think in all those games is Northwestern's turnover margin. They're plus seven in all the matchups that that they've had against Nebraska. Uh, you know, and, and so this is a team that does not beat themselves. Uh, so you better come ready to play a clean game as, or as clean a game as possible against these guys, uh, because you know Pat Fitzgerald they, they 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 have these guys in position all the time and they do not beat themselves. And it's just kind of a cliche. Um, I mean, you look at Northwestern, they're a smart school, an academic school. They recruit differently. Pat Fitzgerald played that way as a player. Um, so, <laughs> you know, the, the, the go-to quote is they do what they do and they do it well and, and they do the right thing. They're in the right place. Um, and and that, that's kind of been the M.O. on Northwestern where they're never, ever going to pass the eyeball test. When they walk into a stadium, when they walk off a bus – 
you look at Northwestern and you're like, this is the least physically imposing team in the Big Ten Conference. But the way they execute and how they play the game is an edge that they have over other schools in this conference. Yeah, especially defensively. You know, that we, we all know that their offense is not very good. Uh, but defensively, you know, in, in Ryan Held and, and Greg Austin said it this past week, when, when you turn on the film and watch those guys, you don't, or watch any film in general, normally you pick up on something and say, okay, we can exploit that. that that's an area where we should be able to make some hay and, and we can scheme that. But when you turn on the film and watch Northwestern, those coaches said that there are no glaring holes, there are no glaring weaknesses because they just do the – they are fundamentally sound in everything they do. They're in the right spot all the time. They don't do more than what they're supposed to do. They just – all they do is they go, they go out and do what they're told to do, and, and they do it very, very well. And so that's the challenge when you have, uh, have to play these guys. All right, Nebraska's offense, Nate, is struggling. Uh, they had a rough night against Ohio State. Will they get back on track? We'll talk about that and much more here next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I can't believe he needs to be defended. If if you know football and watch that game, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. It, it's just the nature of the game that uh, head coach and quarterback can get all the praise and get all the blame, and uh, I think he knows that. You know, he fought and made some really good plays for us Saturday. He's going to make some incredible plays for us going forward, and that's just the ups and downs of the game. We're already moving on towards this next week. We're already focused on on this week's opponent, Northwestern. We realize we have a, a really good team in front of us, and, and we're excited for that opportunity to go out there and play again in front of Memorial Stadium. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with locations both in Omaha and Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's here over the weekend as they will be your home to watch Nebraska football. It's a great place to go after the game. Get some wings, get some beer. Uh, check out any of those Tanner's locations in Omaha and Lincoln and get the wings. That's probably the, the best thing on the menu. It's one of my favorite things uh, to get when I go into Tanner's. But, Nate, let's talk Nebraska's offense here. When you look at this game last week, um, you knew if Nebraska was going to have any kind of chance – it was going to have to come on some big plays for the offense. And obviously those plays didn't happen. The passing game wasn't there. Um, Reese Washington was hobbled. I mean, th this offense, for whatever reason, is not right. It, whether it's Adrian Martinez just being a little bit off, whether it's the offensive line not protecting particularly the right side, whether it's the snaps being too high in the air and Martinez now constantly jumps when he doesn't have to jump. And that throws off the timing of the play because he's worried about snaps being too high. Um, whether it's the receivers maybe not having the size and the physicality on the perimeter to win 50-50 balls that a year ago, Stanley Morgan, you could make that play to. There are so many things right now that jumped out, and I felt like Saturday night was a little bit of all of them. Yeah, it was a little bit of all of them. And then, oh, by the way, you mix in uh, Chase Young, who is arguably a top five overall draft pick who completely, if your timing isn't already screwed up <laughs> with all the other things that you just mentioned, Chase Young will screw it up in a, in a hurry because there's, there's Nebraska nor, you know, too many teams in the, in the entire uh, college football world have an answer for Chase Young and blocking a guy like that. And so, uh, but you're right. I mean, the, if Nebraska had a chance in this game, they were going to have to have some big plays offensively and, and, and not turn the football over and, 
and that just did not happen. Um, at least the big plays part, the the turnovers did happen, and they happened pretty early and, and consistently. And um, you just can't give you know Ohio State the, the uh, an advantage like that. And so uh, that that is what what hurt Nebraska. And and you know we'll see if if they can kind of break out of this funk. But uh, for whatever reason, they they definitely are hurting, and, and they're in some sort of funk right now. And here are the numbers from last Saturday night, Ohio State. They had five quarterback sacks and 13 hurries, according to Pro Football Focus, um, in that game. And, you know, what it's almost, and Nebraska almost stopped passing in the second half um, because it just wasn't working and the game was out of hand at that point. But Chase Young, you mentioned him. He had four hurries himself. He scored a 96.8 pass <laughs> rush grade and a 95 2 overall on Pro Football Focus, which, to my knowledge, um, and I'm going to bring in Mike Wheeler on this. Those are about as high of grades, Mike, um, as you're ever going to see on Pro Football Focus. You and I do the numbers, but I mean, Chase Young, let me read those again to you. 96, 96.8 on pass rush, Mike, 95.2 overall on defense. I mean, you just don't see stuff like that. Uh, that Pro Football Focus just doesn't really give grades like that all that often. I mean, when you have grades that even get into the 90s and you're talking mid-90s, that's about as dominating of a performance that you're going to get out of anybody. Yeah, thank you for that, Mike, and uh, we'll hear from Mike later in the show on the mailbag. But um, And to put it into perspective, on the flip side, and, and not to pick on Matt Farniak here, but we're, we're just going to share the numbers here, Nate. Matt Farniak, he was graded, and I've never seen this before in, in, in the couple of years we've had access to Pro Football Focus. He received a 0, 0.0 on his pass blocking grade. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, that tells the story of the night. You know, and, and like you said, you, you hate to pick on a guy, but. That is that's a that's you know that's, that's the number one pick going yeah. up against a guy that Who's is overmatched, overmatched, and, and probably out of position. Should probably be playing inside, uh, you know, at guard instead of tackle. And uh, but that is, I mean, that's a microcosm of of Nebraska's night, and really probably you know maybe to a, maybe to a lesser degree, their the season overall, um, you know, and, and why they're why they're struggling. It's just. You've got Adrian Martinez does not feel comfortable in the pocket. Um, you know, all his passes are, seem to be a little high, off target, rushed. I mean, whatever. Uh, there's there's a multitude of reasons why, uh, you know, he just doesn't seem to be himself in the pocket this year. Yeah, you, you look at it last week in that offensive line. You mentioned Juergens, uh, Farniak. Bo Wilson struggled this year, too, up front, and, and that's a guy that, you assumed coming back as a second-year starter was going to be more consistent. It hasn't been there. I mean, Hickson and Hymas have been the most – in terms of the grades, they've been about the best two at times this year for Nebraska on that line. I did think, Nate, though, when they went under center and they did some of the traditional double wing or I formation stuff we saw, that actually gave the offense a spark. I mean, I thought it fit Dedrick Mills more with his running style. Mm -hmm. I thought it helped the offensive line just attack versus more of a patient run block style of the shotgun. So there was a lot if you're trying to get a positive angle from last week, which there weren't a lot. Um, but I thought that that look was a positive, and I think we will see more of that this week. Yeah, that was a really nice wrinkle that, that Frost and, and the, the offensive staff unveiled. Um, and it did. It, it let those guys uh, kind of get downhill a little bit and, and get aggressive and 
and kind of push the tempo a little bit. Um, you know, and, and I think that was a lot more comfortable for, for everybody, uh, especially Diedrich Mills, where that's an offense that he was used to running out of at, a, at, at Georgia Tech. He, that's, he played essentially that fullback position at Georgia Tech where he was a freshman All-American. And, uh, and so I think that he read those blocking schemes a little bit better um, and, and maybe feel a little bit more comfortable there. Uh, and Greg Austin said earlier in the week that, you know, when they were going and running that and moving the football down the field and it forced Ohio State to, to call a timeout, that, uh, you know, his O-line, they're sitting there going, let's go, let's keep running it, let's keep going. Uh, but, you know, they kind of had to play a little bit of chess there and, and change things up, you know, because obviously Ohio State called timeout to to scheme against, how, you know, how to block that or whatever. That was but fun to watch. It I mean, was, it j- was Just fun. seeing the excitement and how the stadium kind of oh, flipped. Man. I mean, it was like, whoa, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, I felt like Ryan Day was like a basketball coach. Like, he went out there and did like a 20-second timeout, yeah. like a basketball coach. Yep. You don't see – a, a guy call a defensive timeout in that context very often, but you know, good coach and they made some adjustments and, and it, and it worked obviously. Yeah. And it, yeah, it did work, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the, the stadium just kind of erupted and you could just feel this excitement swelling. Yeah. yeah like we should have been doing it this way the whole way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 but that's something that we're going to continue to see it. And I'm sure that, you know, knowing Frost and, and Walters and the staff, I'm sure that they've got all sorts of wrinkles built off of that stuff going forward. And, you know, they're going to continue to maybe build off of that. So, um, you know, but that is an interesting piece of it all. And, um, you know, and, and, I, and I, I like it. I, I think that it's good for, you know, you have to play to your pr- players' strengths. And forever, I mean, I don't know, I can't remember how many times over the years we've been saying this, right? Don't, don't try to force it to play to your players' strengths. Well, you got a running back who was, I mean, that he was a freshman All-American at a Power 5 conference running that, those types of, of plays. Um, you've got a quarterback. He's not a finesse back. No, he's I mean, not. He, a, he just, he's just a bulldog. Exactly. He wants to go. Yep, he's, he, he's going to be – every play he's shooting out of a cannon and, and – um, you know, he's not a guy that is going to tiptoe around tip-toe and yeah, the, the nuances of, of feeling the cutback is, you know, that's not necessarily his game. He's, he's getting downhill in a hurry. And so and let him get downhill in a hurry, switch it up. And, and I, I like that Nebraska did that. And, and again, we're, we're going to continue to see some more of that, uh, as, as the rest of the big 10 play unfolds, I think, especially if Mo Washington is continued to be battered and bruised. And, and that's really something Nate, and we won't know much about until game time, as we've seen him take a couple hits uh, the last few weeks. But when we come back, uh, we are going to shift over now to the defensive side of the ball as Nebraska's got a favorable matchup. But as we talked about earlier in the show, no Khalil Davis. Uh, So we'll discuss that more and get you ready for what the Blackshirts will see this week. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, Northwestern is a team that I think everybody always respects in this league because they're never going to beat themselves. They're a disciplined team. They're a tough team. They're going to be where they're supposed to be. And for the most part, they operate what the coaches want them to do. And so I think you just have to be you have to be sound in what you do. You have to you have to be sound in your cover. You can't uh, you know be pressing. You can't be you know over overextending yourself trying to make a play because they'll make you pay. They're, they're smart enough to, to adjust to what everybody's doing. But I think it's a really good football team that doesn't beat themselves a lot. They're really just fundamentally sound. Um, they just play fundamentally sound offense and defense, both sides of the ball. They hold the ball for a long time, just time to possession. Um, they try to slow, your, slow our offense down, keep us off the field. Yeah, they don't make mistakes. Um, they're not flashy or anything. But yeah, if you, if you make mistakes, you beat yourself, you're, you're not going to be able to hang with them. 
And welcome back here to the Husker Alliance show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. That was Eric Shenander and Ben Stilley talking about the challenge they'll see from this Northwestern offense, Nate. And I feel like we could take the game tape or the audio interviews from Northwestern week from the last nine years. This is the ninth time they've played, by the way, the first time Nebraska will play a Big Ten opponent for a ninth time will be this year. Uh, but the sound would be the exact same. They are who they are. They do what they do. They're fundamentally sound. They're in the right place. They execute at a high level. Not flashy. They're not flashy. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's the same type of deal every year when you talk about this Northwestern team. Yeah, it really is. But it, it's the truth, though. I mean, they they don't change who they are, and and you know, and it works. Pat Fitzgerald's got a, a winning formula there, and you know, they're not Big Ten West champs every year, but. They're in the conversation pretty much every year, and, and it doesn't matter how they start the season out. They seem to always get better as, as the year goes along. And, um, and, and they're, I mean, Ben Stilley is right. They, they will make you pay if, you, um, you know, if, you're, if you're not playing good football or if you turn the ball over and make mistakes. They will make you pay. Yeah, and it has been interesting just to kind of watch them struggle early, but they have been a slow-starting team um, almost every year, I mean, under fat Pat Fitzgerald um, and, and what he's done there. And he is, for the first time, though, Nate, getting a lot of heat for their offense and the struggles that they're having. Um, Hunter Johnson is the highest-rated recruit in school history at Northwestern. Um, he has been almost atrocious. When you, when you look at what he's done, and, you know, we had a chance to see Hunter, Nate, at some rivals camps and events. He was a phenomenal quarterback, and I think a lot of people just assumed – um, that you know he would be a guy that it, it would just work for him, and it has not worked for Hunter Johnson um, under pressure this year, according to Pro Football Focus. He is only completing twenty-seven point six percent of his passes. Um, he's eight of twenty-nine when under pressure. So I think that will be a key for Nebraska. He's been sacked six times um, on the year as well. Um, so they've got to get to him to disrupt him. Yeah, and and I think that. Um, yeah, for Nebraska's sake, if you can shut down the run and, and make them one-dimensional, then it's it's time to kind of pin your ears back and get after Hunter Johnson. And and that's what Wisconsin was kind of able to do last week. And, and you saw that, um, I mean, they brought a, a, a multitude of blitzes from different directions, and, and a lot of it was not even blocked. I mean, they, they were coming free and just teeing off on Hunter Johnson. In fact, he ended up leaving that game, um, and, and I, I don't know that he came back. And so Aiden, Aiden Smith, I believe is his name, he's, I think he's their third-string guy. He, I, I guess T.J. Green, he's out right now too, he's right? Out. Yeah, so they may be on their, their third-string guy. I don't know, but Hunter, uh, Hunter Johnson is definitely not 100% because of what Wisconsin was able to do to him, and, and they just they beat him up really, really, really badly. And they've also had 11 drop passes. I mean, that, that's a bad stat. I mean, yep. they, they have not caught the ball well. I would say, Nate, the, the one real bright spot has been the freshman running back. I mean, they've gotten you know decent production on the ground out of Drake Anderson. Um, he's played in 76 snaps on the season, 61 carries uh, for 303 yards, averaging five yards a carry. He's converted 16 first down. He's had nine runs of 10 yards or longer. He's gotten three yards after contact. So they've got a pretty physical back that kind of helps them grind games out. Um, he's been very efficient. He hasn't fumbled the ball this year. Um, you know, so th there's a lot there with him. I think that he's probably been, if you're to 
label the most important guy on Saturday. That's Drake Anderson to me is the guy Nebraska has to stop. Yeah, you, you've got to shut down Drake Anderson and, and their run game uh, because their passing game is is non-existent for the most part. And I mean, their offense as a whole, I think they're ranked like almost dead last in the entire – in all of college football. I think they're 128 out of 130 teams or something like that. So – I mean, they, they are not a dynamic offense. And so and if you can take a, a poor offense and make them one-dimensional, then you're giving yourself a chance. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk Nebraska's defense. And, you know, the, we, we talked earlier on the defensive line, but this is a game where they're going to have to set the tone. I think if Nebraska wins this game, it's going to be because of their defensive line. I still believe that is the strong point of this football team. I don't think the D-line necessarily played all that bad against Ohio State. I think it was the linebackers and the safeties and other guys that were missing tackles, missing assignments. But Khalil Davis, Darian Daniels, that group, they played an okay game last week. I mean, they did what they were supposed to do in a lot of respects. Um, So that group, again, needs to come through for the Huskers. Yeah, and that was kind of the matchup that I think we were looking at. You know, if if Nebraska had – um, an advantage at all maybe it was uh, Nebraska's D-line against Ohio State's O-line and and yeah I don't think that they played poorly um, at least not as bad as as the linebackers or, or the secondary or the safeties in particular played but um, yeah this is another this is another group where I think if they can win up front and be the more physical team and kind of bring it to Northwestern uh, then that that gives that's going to make everybody look better and gives Nebraska's defense a chance to to you know, have some success and, and get the ball back to the offense and and see what happens on that end. I expect Shenander too to be very aggressive. I, I think in this type of game, you know, Northwestern has given up a lot of sacks from the secondary, so I think you're going to see those corners and safeties come off the edge. Um, I think you're going to see them loaded up and try to stop Drake Anderson here on Saturday. Uh, I just think it all makes sense because they have been so bad passing the football. They're missing their best receiver from Saturday. They're not, and the guy last year that torched Nebraska, he's gone. Um, so it, it's a favorable matchup where I think you can get away with having, you know, a, a strong blitz coming at this, you know, run down, pass downs, whatever. I think Nebraska is going to be very aggressive in this game and, and try to force those negative plays early to put Hunter Johnson in throwing situations. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that completely. And uh, this is, I think this is a game where you don't want to, to let their offense uh, be able to hang around. Uh, if you can, you need to put them down and out uh, because, you know what, their defense is, is good that, that you, you can almost bet on them capitalizing on any type of mistake that you make on the offensive side of the football um, and, and maybe even turning that into points. And so I, I think when you're, when you're on defense as Nebraska uh, you know, goes out there, I think you, you've got to shut these guys down and, and not give them any chance to stick around in the game and kind of create you know, as big of a gap there as possible. And their defense is the strength. I mean, just looking at the numbers and production that they've gotten – um, you know, they've produced 14 sacks early on this year, according to Pro Football Focus, 11 quarterback hurries. Um, they've they've uh, I'm sorry, 23 quarterback hurries on the year. So they've been very, very productive, um, you know, getting in there and, and, and disrupting plays. Um, and you look at guys like they I mean, they've got two all big 10 guys on the defense. Patty Fisher and Joe Gaziano um, are guys that are solid players, but. You know, Ernest Brown is having a great season. Um, he's got two sacks and four hurries already. 
Alex Miller, another guy on the D-line, is, a, is having an excellent season for them right now. They've got a safety named Travis Willock, um, who, who's playing at a very, very high level on the back end. Um, so don't kid yourself. This is an elite-level defense. Um, this is a team that played for the Big Ten title, and their defense is the strength. So that will be the matchup, no doubt. Will Nebraska's offense be able to find some plays on a solid defense that held Wisconsin to under 300 yards. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to bring in Husker Online's Mike Wheeler as we're going to take your questions in the mailbag as we get you ready for Northwestern. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We kind of went back to some old school Nebraska stuff and it worked and we drove it down the field. Uh, had a opportunity on a pass play. I think if we'd given the quarterback a little more time, it would have been an easy completion and probably touchdown. He was hurried a little, had to float it, uh, and we got a bad break. I thought our guys executed that stuff pretty well, and, it, and that was that was neat to see. I mean, it was just simply because I played that at Georgia Tech before, and I, it was just something I was used to, and, and so it got, they thought I was the, the, the perfect back for it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and now Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler joining us here on the show. As you heard Scott Frost talking about them going in the I formation, that was Dedrick Mills as well. But let's take some questions in the mailbag. Mike, what do you have to lead us off with? All right, so uh, Nebraska has a somewhat difficult but manageable schedule over the next few weeks with Northwestern and Indiana coming to Lincoln and then, uh, of course, traveling to Minnesota and Purdue. How do you see those four games going for the Huskers record-wise? Yeah, I mean, I, I think – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they went 4-0 and I wouldn't be surprised if they went 2-2. Two and two. I mean, it's such a toss-up right now, and this is where it starts. They have to kind of relight a fire this week against Northwestern uh, because if they were to lose this game Saturday against Northwestern, I, I just feel like you're you're going to get such a negative feel around the you know around the fan base. It's going to be hard for this team to ignore that noise. And then you have to go to Minnesota, where the Gophers play Illinois Saturday. They'll probably be undefeated going into the game against the Huskers. But um, yeah, I, I think three and one is probably where I stand today right now on, on these four games. I think it's very possible. Yeah, I'd, I'd go three and one. I wouldn't rule out four and zero, oh, but I, I don't. I don't think that I've seen enough from Nebraska to say that you know that I'm willing to put my name on a, on a four and zero oh here over the next four games. But I think three and one is is definitely possible. Um, and two and two is probably maybe a little bit more realistic right now. But just get the six wins for yeah, the bowl, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's kind of where it's at right yeah, now. Yeah, basically whatever whatever it takes to get to six wins. But you know who knows? I mean, if we can see. If we can see some major progress from the offense against a good defense like they're going to see this weekend at you know against Northwestern, then who knows? You know, I, I think that uh, anything could happen. But three and one is probably more realistic. All right. So on Wednesday, we actually saw Bo Wilson was back in full pads. Uh, but if he can't go Saturday, do you think that we'll see the staff move Bando to right tackle and then move Farniak inside to guard? Um. It might even be the other way around. I could see Bando being a guard because he's played both positions in his career. Matt Sichterman is another name I would watch. I think if I were to guess if there was an issue with, with Bo Wilson, I think it would be Bando or Sichterman maybe that they would give a look at that guard position. Yeah, those are the two names I would go with too, Bando or Sichterman. And, um, you know, I, I think Sichterman is, is more maybe a little bit more entrenched in that guard position. But you're right, Sean, uh, Bando has played guard before. And, uh, and so he's no stranger to that position. And 
Uh, but I don't see them moving Farniak inside and then putting. I don't think he's taken any live guard reps. Yeah, I mean we I, don't see practice, but I know he hasn't since the Billy Devaney experiment years ago. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that now would be the time that we'd necessarily see that happen, especially just for maybe some patchwork, you know, to to get him by through a game or whatever until Bo Wilson's healthy. All right, so now moving over here to recruiting. Uh, big recruiting weekend this weekend for Nebraska with uh, the Ohio State uh, game this weekend. Uh, but uh, any word on how the visit went for Jackson Bratton and also which visitors do you feel most confident most confident about from the Ohio State game? Yeah, so it sounds like the visit went extremely well for Jackson Bratton. Uh, he really enjoyed his time in Lincoln and and I think you know that was the first time he'd been able to see everything that his best friend Logan Smothers uh, has been talking about for what for the last year and a half or more that he's been committed to to Nebraska. So um, you know I, now is that going to be enough to sway him away and flip him from from Nick Saban in Alabama? I don't know. Uh, you know I think that's that's still up in the air. I think that's still going to be a tall task there to to happen. But at the same time, I, I do think there there's definitely some things that Nebraska has going for them, uh, for you know, with, with Jackson Bratton, and and most most prominent of those things is is playing time at the middle or inside linebacker position, and then of course the opportunity to continue playing football with with his best friend at the next level. So we'll see what happens there. Now, who I feel best about going forward, you know, I think Rodney Gross uh, is going to be making a decision, and I think that will be Nebraska here. Um, you know, Ronald Delancey, the cornerback out of Miami, just decommitted from Louisville. Usually that's a pretty good sign when a kid that just took an official visit to your school decommits from this, this previous school that he had been committed to. Um, you know, and, and, and I feel really good about Chandler Durham, the offensive lineman out of Georgia, um, you know, as, as well as Caden Johnson, the, the number one player in the state of Minnesota, the, you know, one of the top outside linebackers in the country. So there's, there's a lot of players that were on campus that, that enjoyed their visits that I feel pretty good about uh, the Huskers' chances and, with. And we'll get more on the recruiting weekend itself in our next segment from Nate Klaus as you got a little tease there. But uh, what do you have next, Mike? All right. So uh, with uh, Northwestern this weekend, what is the number one reason that the Nebraska football team wins or loses this game? Line of scrimmage. I think Nebraska has to win up front, which means protecting Martinez and, and shutting down and limiting Northwestern in the run game. I mean, to me, those are very simple, but it's very real. I think Nebraska line of scrimmage, um, and particularly their offensive line, because I do think Northwestern has a fairly good edge with their front seven going against Nebraska's O-line, and Nebraska's got to find ways to make it happen on Saturday. Turnovers. I think if if you can win the turnover battle or or at least keep it close, then then I think you're going to give yourself a chance to win the game. But if you if you give away the football three plus times uh, to a team like Northwestern, they'll make you pay, and and that's that's going to be hard to, to to win that game. All right, guys. So kind of a grand scheme of things here. When can uh, we expect Nebraska to be good enough to really compete for a Big Ten title? Uh, I mean, it's such a loaded question when you look at that right now because it's about the West first. And I think you almost have to start that. When can we expect Nebraska to win the West? Because you can't really worry about the Big Ten title till you win the West. And Nebraska's only won the West or the division. It was the leaders and legends back when they won it um, one time since they've been in the Big Ten Conference. But I, mean, I think they're going to get better next year. I mean, they return so many key guys a year from now. The key, though, is that offensive line group. I look at this program right now. There are six true freshmen on scholarship redshirting on the O-line. 
five of those six are six seven to six foot nine. They have so much material on that offensive line. They're just not quite ready. And I think you give that group two to three years of development. I think that is when you're going to see a big, big jump in this football program. And, and, and it takes time. And they're trying to do this the right way. They're not trying to bring in a bunch of JUCOs and get quick fixes because then, then, then that still leaves you holes. Nebraska is trying to do this properly, and it takes time and patience. And I, I think we've realized it might be a bigger job and task than any of us could have imagined. Yeah, I, I would go with probably two years. And, and most notably, or the biggest reason why would be because of that offensive line group. I think there is a lot of young talent there, but it is exactly that. It's young. Uh, it's it's a group of guys that I think for the most part, all those guys are, are probably two years away, um, you know, of, of work with uh, with Zach Duvall and, and, um, and Dave Ellis there in the strength, conditioning and nutrition department. I think all those guys need need uh, a couple years to go um, now. Who knows if they finish the year strong and, and uh, you know, they're returning a, a ton of people next year. Maybe next year is the year where where they've got a more clear path to the West. Uh, but I think as far as Big Ten titles, I think they're at least two years away. All right, Mike, what do you have next? Final question. All right, guys. So, uh, Nate, you and I were on the sidelines together for the uh, pregame uh, for Ohio State. And, I mean, the recruits were having fun. It was a pretty good atmosphere uh, and everything, at least for the pregame. And then the game happened. But uh, <laughs> uh, what is – it got me thinking, what is the best home Nebraska atmosphere that you guys have been a part of since you started covering the Huskers? Oh, man, that is a – Great, great question. Are you talking about the start to finish? Start to finish, yeah. I'm not talking about just the pregame. The pregame was great great on Saturday, but the game, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, start to finish. I would say recently the Michigan State win um, was pretty spectacular because that was the, the Big Ten champions. Nebraska won that game. You know, they, they kind of went in just playing with house money, nothing to lose. Um, that's one recently where the atmosphere is amazing. But I would say the Miami game – in Pelini's final season, um, just to see Miami in Memorial Stadium, um, you know, after all the years of having to go to the Orange Bowl, nobody left their seats. That game was out of hand. And in the fourth quarter, Miami had a goal line stand trying to get in. And you would have thought the game was on the line. I mean, it, the place just wanted to keep Miami out of that end zone. So that would probably be my favorite one, start to finish night game. Huskers Miami uh, in recent years yeah it's hard to it's hard not to pick that Miami game because that was a pretty special environment um, you know Amir Abdullah had a had a heck of a game that night um, you know and there were there were some some scuttle you know some some little bit of uh, Randy Gregory yeah Randy Gregory got after it and and the crowd just like exploded I mean the atmosphere was was crazy it seemed like everybody was just on edge they just wanted to get back at Miami um, and then I will never forget the, the Colorado game where uh, Alex Henry hit the field goal and, and Sue, uh, you know, kind of uh, punked uh, what it was. Cody, yeah, Cody Hawkins in, in the end zone. I mean, that, that the stadium just erupted. And there, there. were no flags thrown. Yeah. I mean, Big 12 was, did not suspend him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, incredible. That, that is, I, I think, I'll always think that. Uh, or that game in particular will always rank right up there as one of the best that, that I was ever on the sidelines for. All right. Thank you, Mike. And we come back, uh, we are going to close the show with more recruiting talk from Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
one of the things I'm excited about is getting all of our student athletes a little bit closer to campus, closer to their professors, closer to all the talented people on our campus. Having an academic center that's going to be steps away from the business building, steps away from the rest of their classes on campus, um, I think is going to be a big advantage for us and just improve the day-to-day -day life of all of our student athletes. They're not going to have to walk all the way around to the bottom of East Stadium anymore and then walk all the way back across campus to Love Library. Uh, it's going to make their lives a lot easier. It's going to allow them to spend more time with us and uh, with Dennis and academics. And welcome back here to the final segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by our good friends at Coogler Vision. And Nate, uh, tell us quickly about your experience here that you just recently had with Coogler Vision. Yeah, a little bit of a, a week since I've had the LASIK surgery. and A five-minute procedure has now allowed me to not wear glasses when I drive at, uh, at night and uh, to, to watch a night game inside Memorial Stadium uh, without squinting or wearing glasses. It's, it's been amazing. Uh, I could not be happier with my LASIK procedure. So check out Coogler Vision here in Omaha and tell them Husker Online sent you over there as uh, they did wonders here for Nate Klaus. But, Nate, let's talk – I want to get to the facilities real quick. Is this happened Friday? We didn't get a chance to to go over it, and you were a part Nate of the facilities when they opened those in '06. I mean, at that time, that was the cat's meow, the best in the country. The big, I remember the big waterfall was the thing in the, yeah. the lobby. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, there's a waterfall!" and <laughs> and then you know they got iPads in the lockers in 2010. Sue donated those. They were the first to have iPads in the locker room. I remember no one knew what they were going to use them for, but they had iPads in the lockers. They couldn't figure out really. But long story short, Nebraska and the facilities they they go out of date and. Everyone's realized that Nebraska's outgrown what they use right now day to day. And they announced some big time news on Friday, $155 million facility. And that's just the football thing. That doesn't include anything else that's going to go with this project. They're not messing around with this thing. No, they're really not. And especially when you look at what other schools have spent recently, I think Clemson, who is regarded as having one of the top facilities in the nation right now, they just redid theirs in the, a couple years ago, and they spent $68 million. So now you're talking about Nebraska spending 155 on just football facilities alone. Well, and the, uh, the, the training table in the Life Center, and, and that, that's going to be yeah, all in that included, too. Yeah, that will be included as well, but – I mean, that's that's incredible. And so, um, you know, and I, I've talked with some people they, who, that have said, you know, we're that Nebraska is not doing this to to get back in the, the conversation as having some of the best facilities, but they're doing it to kind of set the bar uh, again. And and obviously, you know, it, it won't be long until someone uh, one ups Nebraska. I mean, that's the name of the game right now. Everybody's trying to do bigger and better and, and when it comes to facilities. But this is long overdue and, and something that should really help Nebraska out in recruiting. And then obviously it'll be huge. You, you heard Scott Frost talk about uh, how big it will be for, for the players on the team too just as far as location and and just the ease of access for everything and and the one it, you know it's been a disadvantage that everybody in the big 10 has built new for, but now nebraska will be in an advantage that they can see what everyone else has done yeah. and and upgrade it and i know a lot of people they see the price tags of the minnesota and northwestern things people have to understand that's not just football at those schools those facilities that are in the hundreds of millions of dollars two three hundred million dollar type deals that's the whole athletic department. Like, I mean, they've just basically rebuilt everything at Northwestern for all sports. And, and that, so Nebraska is going to do that too. I mean, they haven't even gotten to that. I mean, they're going to add a new swimming thing. They're going to do a new golf thing. They have $15 million earmarked for golf. They're going to rebuild the track. They're going to tear apart West stadium and make that a club lounge 
for sweet holders, and I'm guessing that's going to pave the way for alcohol in the stadium. If you have a bar on the west level, yeah. you're not going to just serve Diet Pepsi in there. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna make that a, a pretty cool thing. Um, North Stadium's going to get renovated, so the 155 million is just the tip of the iceberg at Nebraska. I mean, there's there's uh, South Stadium's next. There's so many other things coming, Nate. Yeah, that's it's kind of the the drop in the bucket compared to everything else that's coming. But but it is something that's been long overdue, and and what they have now is not bad, but it is out of date, and and you know it can be better. And when you're in Nebraska, when you consider yourself a blue blood school um, that you know that has the type of tradition that that they do, I mean, you should never be behind Maryland. In, in the in the arms race as far as uh, facilities go. Illinois, Minnesota. Yeah, and that's where they are right now. They're behind all those schools. They're probably dead last in the Big Ten uh, West. I it, think they're ahead of Wisconsin. Yeah. That'd be maybe, about the one that I know. the only one. Uh, but, I mean, as a Nebraska, if you fancy yourself as, as a blue blood program, uh, you know, one of the top five winningest programs in the country, I mean, you, you should have some of the nicest digs in the country as well, and, and they're finally getting back to that. All right, Nate, we are up against it here, but on the recruiting weekend, if you were to say, if I were to say summarize one or two quick thoughts on things people should be watching from Saturday, what are they? Well, first of all, you land Teddy Prohaska, which is huge, uh, and that was that was maybe the highlight of the weekend <laughs> when you look back. The whole weekend. The whole weekend. <laughs> Football, recruiting, everything, is, is that you get Teddy Prohaska in the boat, Rivals 100 offensive tackle. I mean, that was huge. And to get him so early uh, is, is just a, a really big deal because now he can start to recruit for you. He's a recognizable name uh, as a top 50 recruit in the nation, regardless of position. That's a big deal. Um, you know, and, and then I, I think, like I mentioned a little bit earlier in the mailbag, I think you're looking pretty good at Rodney Gross, the inside linebacker out of Alabama that's uh, announcing, um, and I think that's, that's going to be Nebraska. Uh, Ronald DeLancey, the cornerback out of Miami, just decommitted from Louisville. So that could be possibly um, you know, the, the next or the first thing that had to happen before a commitment to Nebraska. Uh, so that's something to really keep an eye on. And then, uh, you know, Caden Johnson, the number one player in the state of Minnesota, one of the top outside linebackers in the country. I think Nebraska really did a, a, a great job with him over the weekend. And I think kind of, you know, if they're not the leader, they're, they're definitely just neck and neck right now with Wisconsin. He's got one more official visit set up to Oregon State, has talked about maybe taking a couple others. But I think right now this is going to end up being a Wisconsin and uh, in Nebraska race for Caden Johnson and and uh, you know I think that's something that that you really have to pay attention to Nebraska is rolling out the red carpet for him making him a, a major major priority um, and so those are maybe some of the highlights I think uh, of the what weekend. about this weekend um, and then this weekend you've got a handful of visitors uh, most notably Alex Harrison who is listed as an offensive tackle by rivals but Nebraska wants him as a nose tackle with 320 big old kid out of uh, out of Utah uh, you've got Mr. Williams, another inside linebacker uh, that, that's going to be making his second trip to Nebraska, uh, and he comes from California. And then you've got a, a, a commitment, Will Nixon from Texas, uh, kind of that wide receiver, running back type of, you know, Duck R type of player from, from Texas that's going to be coming in. So uh, so you got a, another decent recruiting weekend, uh, but uh, I, I think that, you know, for the most part, the, the biggest weekend of the year is, is what just happened last weekend against Ohio State. Well, there'll be Lots to keep track of and follow here, uh, not only from visitors that were in town for Ohio State, uh, but also for this upcoming weekend. And then with the bye week approaching, obviously the coaches will get out on the road more and 
full force as Nebraska has two bye weeks relatively close. So uh, make sure you're logged on to HuskerOnline.com as we'll have all the coverage here this weekend from Nebraska, Northwestern, and everything as well in recruiting. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.